Hi, my name is Amar. I'm a senior econ student at Case Western. Hi, everyone. My name is Zach, and I'm a first-year medical student at the CUNY School of Medicine. And welcome to the MSX podcast, a show about a broad range of topics in medicine, from education to exploring research and contemplating future directions for the field. In each episode, we speak with leaders in the field to learn from their insight and expertise. Today, we brought on Cheyenne Khan, a physical therapist, or otherwise known as a physiotherapist, as well as a strength and conditioning coach. Thank you for joining us today. Awesome. I'm glad to be on the, on the podcast with you guys. Yeah, so I guess just to start off, can you just tell us more about your journey into how you got into physical therapy and becoming a coach? Yeah, 100%. So it kind of all started when I was around um, 17, 18. I was at um, high school, kind of thinking about what to do in university, right? Um, and I was always interested in human performance. I liked playing sports. Um, but growing up, I didn't have the huge amount of, you know, like um, availability availability to play sport. So it was always quite difficult in that sense. Um, so I kind of got the idea of sports science. I understood a bit about it. Sports science is like a broad degree in the UK, which covers, um, you know, like anatomy and physiology to sports sociology, for example. And it's a good entry degree to to kind of understand or to explore what you would want to get into in in the sporting field. Um, And so I did sports science degree. And whilst I was in sports science degree, I was always interested in gym and and how to kind of improve performance for athletes. At the time I was, I was in into table tennis and racket sports. So I used to play table tennis for the university and I used to play a bit of badminton as well. Um, And while I was at university, I always did my independent studying. So I started to research a bit more about strength and conditioning. Uh, and that's a little bit more of a, like a sub um, subject to sports science, where strength and conditioning is more in, is more you could say um, working with athletes and working with the population who wants to improve their performance in a particular sport. So, for example, you know if you have someone who's um, taking part in like a hundred meter sprint, you know they're not going to just be doing the sprints; they're going to be working on um, developing their explosiveness in the gym, so that can also transfer in that hundred meter sprint. Um, and I was always interested in how I could kind of use those tools and put them in into practice. And it wasn't enough doing just the degree. I had to research and find um, who was kind of involved with this sport, strength and conditioning. And there was a uh, governing body within the UK that you can um, go to and go to their work- workshops. So I used what I had, what type, whatever money I had as a student and um, invested that into the workshops, did that on the weekend while I was still studying. And gain experience and gain knowledge from that. Um, and when you do those workshops, you can then, over time, do an exam for to become a strength and conditioning coach, which I did. Um, and that's kind of how I became a strength and conditioning coach within while I was doing while I was, was doing the the sports science degree. And I think that's that's a key key thing to take for for away from this is that students who are in a particular degree don't kind of just stick to what you're doing in that certain certain degree because you can always widen your your knowledge your, your knowledge base within a within a different subject that is still related to your, your degree and that's kind of why it benefited me to then use with the things that I was doing the things I was doing in the, independently I could then use in a um, in a setting like I got a job for example a volunteering job because I was doing strength and condition stuff while I was while I was at university. So I was working with like um, a rugby team, for example, just gaining experience for free. And you, you're going to have to give some of your free time. 
you know, regardless if you don't like that, that's just how it is in this type of field because you're going for what your passion is. You know, if you're going for money, then you've got to be careful um, because at the end of the day, they're looking for people who are interested in learning and developing their knowledge base. So that was kind of the strength and conditioning side of things, learning within those three years of sports science. Um, and that, that kind of developed, developed. And then by the end of my degree, um, after I graduated, I then took up more strength and conditioning. So as in, I did my personal training as well, which kind of, which kind of is the easier part when it comes to coaching. You know, training normal people is kind of easier than training your, your, your athlete because you have to go a bit more detail. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. So my first kind of role was in it was a personal training role, which is your normal, uh, your normal people working in the bank or working in a law firm. I was kind of develop their lifestyle factors to benefit their uh, physique, but also their, their lifestyle as well. So things can be related to, to also the students that are going to university. Um, you can, you can maximize sleep, for example, you know, a lot of the time students are not really sleeping that well because they're going out this, this and that. And that's fair enough. But if you want to develop yourself as a, as a, a coach, you have to practice it as well. So for example, my, my advice would be sleeping seven to eight, seven to nine hours a day on a daily basis. Um, and then alongside that, you should be, if you're going to be coaching someone, you need to be practicing that as well. So then going to the gym and actually training yourself, which is going to be important. So, so you know how to train yourself. That's going to also kind of, you, the, the person you're coaching will actually understand that, you know what, this person actually has some experience and it's not about the look. You don't have to look like a, you know, an, an athlete, so, so to say. Everyone has different different physiques and stuff, but the, the reality is, you know, you have to practice what you preach in a, in a certain way. Um, kind of going back to where I worked in that year of, of uh, when I was working after my university, I also did some strength and conditioning work, and that was, uh, that was actually abroad in Kuwait. So that's another key factor is, you know, got the opportunity to work in Kuwait. And how did I get that opportunity? Is because I actually did quite a lot of volunteering. So as I mentioned, I did the volunteering in the rugby um, rugby team. I also did some volunteering in Imperial College, which you, which you guys might have heard of, which is quite a good university in, in London. Um, and and within, within that university, I did uh, an intern for the students. So I was coaching the students. And that was a wide range of sports. Some of them were playing water polo lacrosse, hockey, all of those, you know, student-based sports. And I gained a lot of experience there because I was, I was being taught by the lead coach there who was, who was working there at the time. Um, and whether, yes, I was working free, but the reality, that, I knew that that would set me up in the future to show the, the future employer that I've got this experience. I can now utilize that and be paid for it because I've gained that, that experience and did all that hard work for free, basically. Um, and so that kind of led me on to that job in Kuwait. Um, got, in, got into contact with one of the people that would work, was working with me in Imperial. Um, and that got me into a job in, in Kuwait. And I got the opportunity to go there for a couple of months um, to, cover, to cover a coach because he was going um, abroad with an athlete. He, was, he had a fight. So the, the, the gym that I went to is a, is a normal gym, but they're, they're sports performance. And most of the athletes there are, are based about, they, re, they basically do mixed martial arts. So majority of them are jiu-jitsu, uh, taekwondo, um, all of those, all of those mixed martial arts sports, basically. And I was there for a couple of months, coaching them and designing programs. You know, maybe preparing them for a fight, for example. And and that was a, that was an international international experience, which was which was amazing to be fair. You know, getting your being being able to go abroad 
and coach people who are not, you know, from your area that speak a different language as well. There's, they still speak English, but you still need to kind of get, you still need to use a different type of um, coaching method. And so that kind of developed me as a, as a, as a coach, as a strength and conditioning coach. So that was that year of strength and conditioning. And then I was like, okay, I'm at a stage of my life where I've developed quite a bit as a coach, as a PT, and I'm really interested now in uh, the injury prevention side of things. And I was like, is it too late to study more? And I said to myself, not really. I, had a, I even had a chat with my, my siblings as well. I'm thinking, you know, is it too late to, to study more and kind of develop my, my portfolio a bit more? And it was, yeah, I, I kind of thought to myself, it, it, it is too late, but it's not. And the reality, I think a lot of people do think, you know, if you're 23, 24, it's too late to study. To study. Or even if you're 30, the, the thing is, it's never too late. And that's when, I, that's when I went into physiotherapy. So I had that solid year of working as a PT and a strength coach. I did a few other bits in that year. And, and I went into uh, signing up for a physiotherapy degree, another, well, it's like a postgraduate degree. And then uh, did another couple of years studying that. And whilst I was studying that, I was developing my own online presence because I knew that, you know, a social media presence is quite important in this field. And most of the coaches nowadays have a social media presence. And if you don't kind of, if you're not really involved within social media, then you're going to be missing out to a certain extent. You could, you could say, because you, you can network with a lot of people and at the same time you can gain business uh, through social media. And that's what I've done. I've created my own online coaching platform to do with uh, personal training. So I can get people from all over the world come to me for my services and the type of services that I provide are things like training programs, online coaching, but one-to-one, just as we are right now, we can have a one-to-one-to-one one-to-one session from, from your home. Um, and then I also do like consultations with the physiotherapy as well. So yeah, so that was my kind of uh, degree. I, I did two degrees in that gap year, took that gap year and then did a degree, degree. And now I'm kind of just finished, I can't finish a couple months ago. Uh, and now I'm currently working as a physiotherapist in the NHS and uh, still developing my online presence um but yeah that's kind of that's kind of like the the timeline yeah no so i'd love to hear more about your first experience as a pt because you know yeah. rugby is a super intense sport right so what were some things that you learned to be like a reality of the job um no that's, that's a good question um i think so that that particular role was in my first slash second year of sports science so i was probably around 19 20 and um yeah that experience was quite interesting because the the the, the students that i was co- the coaching were under 16s and they were huge <laughs> they were pretty big um, i'm not your 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 bodybuilder type guy and so it was quite intimidating at, at the start because obviously i knew my stuff right but when it comes to you know how uh, like teenagers are it's all about you know the gains and all that stuff and you're thinking wait how's this guy gonna coach me but the reality is they're big, but they need to be coached in a certain way. And so that's why I use my expertise. I was developed, I was learning from a coach there as well. And it was pretty, I didn't work there for that long. I like worked, but I was doing once a week there while I was at university um, for like a couple of months. And yeah, it was, it was actually a great experience because you're getting out, you're getting out of your comfort zone. And I was definitely out of my comfort zone because I don't play rugby. I don't know my rugby that much as in, I'm not like invested in the sport that much. 
But it was, it was, I did that because I knew I was going to be out of my comfort zone. And that is a key factor to, to develop as a coach. You need to put yourself in situations that you don't want to be in. And I, I don't, I'm not a rugby person at all. Um, and I was like, you know what? It'll be interesting to kind of know a bit more about the sport and see how I can use my skills to develop these players. And that's kind of what happened. Um, and yeah, definitely, I, you know, I don't regret taking that opportunity. And I, if I can tell anyone, even the next, actually, like, after I kind of um, went to my third year of university, I was actually telling first-year students to actually take up the opportunity because you're not going to get the opportunity again, especially while you're at university. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting experience. And I guess, like, uh, since you've seen a lot of sports, you've coached a lot of elite athletes in different sports, what are some of those most common uh, injuries or conditions you've seen? And I guess how do you coach people through those injuries? Yeah, it's a good question as well. Um, so it would wear, like it, dip, it differs from sport to sport. So for example, I'm currently now, as I said to you, like I was I was um, playing table tennis, badminton when I was at university. Now I'm completely changed. I've gone to a completely different sporting background. I'm 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 just a straight jiu-jitsu guy. I, I grapple on a on a weekly basis and I compete as well. So as as well as being as as well as being a coach, I'm also being coached. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's a, that's a key aspect to developing yourself as a coach is actually being coached as well because you're never perfect as a coach. You're always going to make mistakes when you are uh, training someone, when you're coaching someone because the reality is this type of field is, is you know, you're going to work through doing some mistakes and a bit of trial and error as well. And, yeah, so the common injuries within, within jiu-jitsu, you know, I've had injuries myself and I've also rehabbed them. Uh, myself as well for example you know you get typical shoulder injuries when you're when you're fight, like um you're sparring in jiu-jitsu if, if anyone doesn't know what jiu-jitsu is it's a grappling sport that's mainly based on the ground and you're basically in a combat combat scenario and uh, you can get all types of injuries you can get finger injuries um my fingers are not the best because you're always gripping all the time on the gi which is like a karate type of uh, jacket i don't know if you've seen it before uh, but you can get uh you know like injuries on your knees you basically can get any injury you can think of in jiu-jitsu. And the reality is uh, a lot of the time people rehab quite quickly in jiu-jitsu because, you know, they act as tough guys, obviously, you know, that's, that's just how the sport is. And so the rehab process can be limited to a certain extent. Some people rush it, which is not the best thing to do. Um, but that's just how the sport is. Some people don't want to miss out too much. So, so I, I give advice quite a lot to uh, to people that are in the gym that I go to for jiu-jitsu. And for example, like a couple of weeks ago, we had someone who dislocated their patella, which is basically the kneecap. So the kneecap literally just came out of place and I had to kind of reduce it, which is put it back in place because we couldn't call emergency services just because of the how, the, how it is down here in the UK. It's a bit complicated. So yeah, that was that. And so putting that back into place, he had this dislocation. Now you have to now you have to start the rehab process. So what do you do from here? You have to now retrain, not retrain, but kind of strengthen your knee, your, the muscles around your knee again. But he kind of came back the next week and just kind of just carried on training. So <laughs> it's kind of it's it, when you, when you're doing strength and conditioning, you have to and a physio for sport, you have to meet that barrier between you can't you can't make the athlete miss too much time out of out of school training. Because end of the day, they need to get the medal or they need to win the certain match or whatever. So, so it's all about that fine line between making sure they're, they're good enough to train, but you're not, you're not wasting too much time at the same time, if that makes sense.
Yeah, no, definitely. And I also have a question about like, you know, where your motivation came from for like first stepping in the gym and the importance of like that motivation to uh, like develop it into a lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a good question as well. Um, I would say when I was younger, I was never a, a strong guy. So growing up around 15, 16, I said, I'm 25 now. At that age, social media wasn't as big. So Instagram, you know, just kind of started when I was 15, 16. I remember it was it was pretty crap. And so we didn't have the presence of, you know, nowadays you've got so many fitness influencers, you've got all these online coaching things. Back then it wasn't it wasn't as big. So my knowledge of training was very limited. I didn't know much about it. I, I just went to the gym because my cousin used to go. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and when I was at school, I remember there was like a, we have something called physical education. I don't know if you guys have that as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, P, it's called PE here. And that is, uh, you know, go you, you play some sports and you learn about sports and stuff. Um, and there was like a gym session that we had as a, I think we were around 14, 15. And I just realized like I was weak. <laughs> I was like, I'm just weak. And some other guys were stronger. They're just naturally stronger, right? And they used to play sport. Um, and that kind of ignited a little bit of a fire in me where it's like, well, why am I so weak? <laughs> I didn't know why I was so weak. And like, I want to kind of get stronger. But again, I didn't have that, those resources. I didn't have that social media there to, to kind of push me and go to the gym myself. It just wasn't there. And I didn't have... My parents never, never put me into the gym either because Asian parents, you know, then <laughs> they probably say gym's bad for you, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, so I was like 17, 16, 17. That's when I started to understand it a bit more. Uh, and then when I was like 17, 18, that's when I properly went to the gym with my cousin. I started to learn about it a bit more. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, you know, I just enjoyed it because I was, I was feeling pumped. And I, was, I started to get stronger. And then that's when it's, I, I just started researching it myself. I started learning through YouTube, learning through YouTube, learning through the internet. You know, I can still name some YouTubers that I used to used to watch, like Elliot Hulse, Strength Camp. I don't know if you guys heard of him, but he was like an OG YouTuber back in the day. Now he's not as popular because there's so many others, but he used to be very popular. And I used to just learn on YouTube. That was the best way of learning. And that's kind of how that led me going into the degree. And that was my motivation where within me, I knew that I could become, a, I could improve myself in terms of like human performance and get stronger and see what my body was capable of doing. And uh, I think I'm still developing that because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put too much time into sport before 17, which is not my fault. It's kind of like you're growing up and you're, if your parents put you, if they put you into it or not, but now I have the opportunity to do it myself. I'm, you know, I'm training six days a week, you know, so I'm doing gym and I'm also doing jujitsu. I'm kind of just trying to, you know, maximize myself, but also do that to other people. So, yeah. Is there anything that you've learned on YouTube that now as a PT, you know, is like not good advice? <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's a, that's an interesting um, part of uh, fitness where I, I used to do things like, I don't know if you know about foam rolling, you might have heard of yeah. it. Like, you know, you, you, you <laughs> use that kind of, you know, reduce pain and increase range of motion. And I used to do that all the time. Now, I remember in my gap year, I used to, coach um i used to do personal training and i used to do that before every session for every client now if you see me coach a client i won't i won't even touch it i won't even have it here i don't even have a firm role anymore just because like before there was emerging research that it does a lot it does a lot but now when you actually look at the research it doesn't do much and it's kind of okay for pain reduction of pain but 
uh, in essence, it doesn't do that much. You could just do some dynamic stretching and you're good to go. Um, so yeah, so there, there is things that I, I used to do back in the day that I don't do now because you enhance yourself. You and you actually have to you have to let go of old beliefs, and that is a, that is a problem with a lot of older physios, a lot of older physical therapists and trainers that they don't get up, they don't let go of older beliefs. Um, it's like massage, for example. Massage only does so much. But the belief system is that it does quite a lot. Um, and and it's, it's kind of hard to believe. And it's kind of hard, hard to digest digest if you're a, a real believer in it. But for me, I'm quite open-minded when it comes to training. I will take advice. I'll look at new research that comes about. And I was, I'll always change my practice to make sure that it's the best that I can give. And it's evidence-based. I really believe that evidence-based is the best way we can go about things because it's, you know, it's actually been researched, you could say. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, what do you think are some of the most neglected aspects of training or recovery for people that work out? Yeah. Okay. It's a good question. I think it would definitely um, differ for a lot of populations um, in terms of like where you, where you go. But for example, you can talk about the main things such as like sleep. You know, I would say I've struggled with this as well. And I feel like a lot of people do. Obviously when you're, when you're young, you want to, go out with your friends you want to socialize um but if you're if you're taking in a sport you have to make sure you're you're recovering and recovery is not just eating well it, it sleep does play a, a big factor i'll give you an example and um, there's a quite a few interesting books out there there's something called why we sleep by matthew walker which is a quite good book he's a he's a neuroscientist and he, he really researches in sleep um and he um does a lot of research and and he was i think he was saying something about sleeping and if you lose if you do like under six hours you know that can knock off like a certain amount of months off your life or something or a certain amount of years of your life you know there's, there's, there's some crazy crazy research out there don't quote me on that that's anecdotal for now but you know look up look up into look up onto that book and you can kind of see that if you just you know lose like two hours of sleep that's going to impact your day and, and you can see that for yourself you know, when you have a bad day of sleep, it affects you, not in just your cognition, but also your your performance in the gym or your performance in the sport. And so I would say that's definitely one key factor to kind of to kind of really enhance and really make sure you're sleeping well and have a good hygiene, a good sleep hygiene routine for sure. Um, I would say a nutrition is definitely another factor and that's going to tie into sleep. If, you're, if your nutrition is good, you're, you're probably going to have better sleep as well. You know, if you're eating processed food and you're eating junk food all the time, takeaways, um, you don't know what's exactly in those foods. You know, they've probably got a high salt content yeah. and it's probably making you like quite drowsy, lethargic. Um, not saying you don't have take takeaways, you know, everyone still has them, but you got to have your balance within those, within those uh, um, nutritional steps. So yeah, I would say nutrition is quite important. Making sure you eat a healthy diet, a varied diet, make sure you hit your protein needs, especially if you're going to the gym and you're, you're training quite um, to a high performance, protein is going to be quite important because that's, you know, you're, you're basically going to be working on um, repairing the muscle. And muscle, and muscle and strength is quite linked. And if you're not, you can, you can gain strength without eating that much, but to a certain extent, you're going to, you're going to feel burnt out because strength is from the nervous system. But to actually feed, to actually grow your muscles, you need to you need to provide it with with fuel, and that is that is food in our case. So definitely, a sleep, nutrition, um, and then I'll say definitely a, a, a 
one that not people not people think about too much is is mental health, and um, it plays a big part. Making sure your your stress levels are down, and how you can do that is obviously having a good uh, a social a good social circle. Make sure the people that you're around are supporting you and not really bringing you down in a, in a way, um, and just keeping your head clear. You know, making sure that you're not doing things that are going to be impacting you. Um, you know. Have you got bad habits, for example? Bad habits, for example, or uh, are you drinking too much? Are you smoking too much, for example? You know these these things, these other lifestyle factors that are involved. You know, are you binge watching TV? These things are going to also affect you, affect you negatively. Um, and I hope that that kind of answers your question. So I'd love to learn more about supplements. Uh, you know, what's worth it and what's BS. <clears throat> so from my, my my experience and the evidence that I kind of read as well is that you know the main protein um, the main supplement that actually does work is going to be whey protein and that's your typical protein powder and that's researched quite heavily and that's that does work to a certain extent um but it doesn't mean you rely on it and you, you know people have probably heard this multiple times but it's good to kind of hear it from someone i guess um whey protein is definitely one that you can use but not something that you rely on uh creating is creating is something else that you can use as well um which is a, it's a type of powder or you can have it in tablet form as well. And that can help you with, you know, with energy, with like a short burst of energy. When you're doing like a, um, let's say you're doing like a two rep max squat or something, you, you, creating might help you, for example, after you've, you've, had, you've be taken that. And there's quite a lot of research on that and um, something that you could, you could take if, you, if you're someone who is a student, but also performing in a, in a high, high performance sport. Um, and then vitamin D is quite, quite, quite good to take as well especially if you're living in england uh, london there's not enough it's not that much sun and vitamin d is uh is really important for overall bone and muscle health um so those kind of the three supplements which are quite important all the other supplements uh you know don't worry too much about them unless you've kind of had a blood test and you, you need to top up on something else you're probably going to get most of them through vegetables and, and and a good diet so in terms of bs um i would say Something like BCAAs, which is basically branch chains, branch chains, I can't even say it, amino acids. Uh, basically like amino acids, right? And um, you can buy them in, in powder form. I guess you can buy them in tablet form as well. And that's something I would say to people, don't, don't kind of waste your money on. Um, just because the evidence has kind of showed now that you can get this from adequate protein. If you're eating enough uh, protein, you, you, you'll get, this, get these amino acids. But if you're someone like a vegan or you're someone like a... Um, someone's on a who's like a calorific de deficit then you might might want to use it but uh, not something that you you kind of need and it's kind of a waste of money as well and uh, i guess coming back to physical therapy i was wondering you know since you had such a rich experience before as a strength coach for for athletes i was wondering how you thought your experience as a physical therapist compared with people that did not have that experience beforehand before coming into yeah. the physical therapy that's a great quick great question actually and um i saw that quite a lot that 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 made a big difference when i was at university so just to reiterate just so you're quick so i know your question what you're asking is that so when i was actually studying physical therapy are you are you asking how it felt because i did my all my sports science stuff and then went into that degree compared to other people yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so that was a big difference actually and i it kind of showed within my within my knowledge base and a lot of people didn't have that knowledge base so Physical therapy is an interesting degree where it's not what everyone thinks it is, where it's just your 
you're trying to rehab an athlete or you're trying to rehab a normal person. There's quite a broad area to it. So we can work with people who have um, neuro problems. For example, if someone comes with a stroke. So we can work with people that, that, like that or you have someone who has, um, you know, who had a car crash and they, they had a spinal injury and they've come in and they're like half paralyzed and we need to rehab them. So it's a very broad field. And a lot of people that come into physio don't just come into it for uh, the musculoskeletal type of um, uh, area. A lot of them want to get into different areas. But the people that do want to want to get into the area that I'm getting into uh, struggle a little bit within that field because they don't have that experience that you gain as a strength and conditioning coach or a PT within, within a clinical setting. So if you're working with athletes and you're working with the normal, normal public, you gain, you gain a big, you gain a big edge of understanding how to communicate with people, but to also coach them. And that, that made the difference when I kind of had a placement, there's something called placement that we do as a, as a physical therapist, you actually have to rack up hours for free. Uh, you have to do that for free in a, in a, in a hospital and, and you you kind of get tested on that. And that's kind of how you pass to become a physical therapist here. It might be similar in the, in the, in the States. Um, and so in that placement, I actually got pretty good marks. I actually got hundred <laughs> percent and I was, I was, I was doing pretty well because I had that strength and conditioning background and she's the person that was testing me. She said, yeah, this is the reason why you're actually better than some of the people that actually are, who are staff members here because you have a background in strength and conditioning and you understand how to prescribe exercises, not just for the normal um, population, people who are injured. And that's, and that kind of bridges the gap. So I've bridged the gap between, okay, post-injury, high level performance, and now I'm at um, injury level, injury level status. So someone who's had an injury, what do we do at that moment? What can we do to build them up before we go into advanced level exercises? And so the people that were studying with me, they didn't have that high level knowledge. So they were kind of learning how to rehab someone who had an injury, but they didn't really know the ins and outs of the, like what to do after the injury. And so it was kind of, they had a kind of a limited base. So my advice to the actual university, and if I could give advice would be to add a bit more of exercise prescription because that kind of lacked within the physical therapy degree. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, it was quite interesting to, to see that in the, in the, in the degree. So now that we're like nearing the end, I think a good final question would be because, you know, Zach and I were scrolling your TikTok earlier today and we saw that there's like a lot of life advice. And so if you have like one or two final pieces of like general life advice for students that are on the PT track for, you know, someone that's a few years behind you, um, yeah. you know, what would it be? Um, I would say it's, it's, a, it's a hard road. And it's a, it's a road where you're going to, you know, go into volunteering jobs. You're going to go into random jobs. And you're going to be thinking to yourself, am I really bothered? Am I really wanting to do this? Um, am I really passionate about it? I need to ask yourself why you want to do this. You know, are you actually passionate about developing people, developing athletes into becoming better, you know, um, into having better performance in their sport or whatever it is? within that field, do you really want to do it? And that's that's going to be the key. And you have to understand that if you're going for it just because you want to earn money, it's not you're not going to last. That's that's just reality. If you're going for it, going for money, then you need to kind of change your field because the money is really difficult to start off with. You're going to be, you know, and not earning much. That's just how the, how the business is because it's not as funded. 
And you know when people say, oh, yeah, you're working with this athlete, how much are you getting paid? You don't get paid that much straight away. You know, you have to build it up. And once you've built up your portfolio, then you can kind of charge probably whatever. But don't go in it for the money straight away. You want to build yourself as a character, as a coach, and actually try, you want to really learn and develop yourself. And so my advice is, is to take as, to do as much experience as you can outside of learning. Learning is good. Theory is good. But one thing I've seen, and don't get me wrong, I'm not the best when it comes to studying. Uh, I would say there's everyone at my course would probably, probably more clever than me. But when it comes to practical, I really do go high and I'm really good with the practical stuff. And I would say, make sure you, you know, you, uh, you really prioritize developing yourself as a practical coach rather than just a theoretical coach. The theory is really important, but I would say put the practical first. Um, yeah, that's my advice. Thank you so much. This has been the MSX podcast.